Well, it's a privilege being here this morning uh, with, with you guys. Like, I'm, I'm excited to see what God is doing in the city of Boise. Um, I've known about you guys for, for a long time, and, and I think about you and pray about you. Um, I, I meet with uh, Brennan and Josh uh, almost weekly uh, just to support each other and, and just, uh, I guess, dream about what does it look like to, to reach the city of Boise, the Treasure Valley, uh, for Christ. Um, and so it's a really uh, great privilege for me to be here this morning. Um, I, I got to be with the, the morning group and stuff, and, and I, was, I was pretty impressed, like a 930 group of like, they were pretty passionate and pretty fired up and stuff. Um, just a, a couple of quick things about me. Uh, again, my name is Dusty. Uh, I lead Sojourn Church, um, and uh, I'm uh, a, a father of, of five. Uh, so I got quite a, quite a few kids. Um, we're we're kind of working on number number six. Uh, I got uh, four biological kids, one one adopted uh, kid, and we're looking to adopt uh, at least one more. Like our big biggest problem now is that we've reached the max capacity of our minivan, and so so our option is like suburban, which we can only fit one more kid in there, or or we're gonna have to go like twelve or fifteen passenger van and become one of those guys. And I'm not. I'm not sure if I want to engage and cross that line yet, but, uh, but I'm thinking about it. We're, we're, we're going to have to decide sometime, uh, sometime soon. Um, and so I, I'm, man, just, just a couple of things uh, about me. Man, I'm, I'm passionate about Jesus. Um, I'm just passionate about seeing people made to be disciples, to be followers of him, to, to wrap their whole lives, their whole identity, all of who they are in this person. Okay. And so, so those are some, I'm passionate about uh, adoptions. I think everyone should adopt someone. Uh, so anyway, that's just a, a side beef. But, but think about it, really. Um, and, uh, and minivans, they're really cool. I mean, like I'm cool in those. So um, those are just a few things uh, about me. Um, but let's, let's kind of dive into God's word. I, I know we, we, we don't have tons and tons of time uh, for that. But I want us to look at God's word this morning. We're going to go into 1 John uh, chapter 5, uh, verses... Um, well, they're up there, 6 to 12. And so, but, but before we get in there, I, I know you guys have been going through this book, and this is a, just a great book to go through uh, because it really talks and fleshes out what, what does that look for a person who's a true believer to, to engage God, to, to walk out their faith, um, to, to love like we're supposed to love, um, to, to deal with sin like we're supposed to. Okay, it has all those things of confession and, and love and the evidence of, of what it looks like. I know uh, last week um, Brent talked about this idea that, that we can overcome, that we can be victorious, that we can walk in the, in the life that we are supposed to be able to walk into. Okay, and it's all, all rests upon this foundation uh, of Jesus. Okay, it it's all clings to him. Okay, this idea that we can, oh, we can go through and endure anything because the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says, lives inside of those who believe, which is a powerful, amazing idea. That same Spirit that brought a dead person back to life says, you know what? He can bring the deadness inside of us back to life as well. And so today what we're going to look at, okay, is this idea that we can actually be confident Okay, we can be assured, we can walk in this confident that Jesus is who he said he is. Right? There's, there's, there's a lot of claims out there. Here's, here's the confusing part about life because there's, there's all kinds of claims out there that say we know how to do life best. Okay, there's all kinds of religions out there. There's, there's uh, philosophies, there's science, there's all this stuff out there that says, you know what, no, we, we really have a corner on what it means to really live. 
Okay, and, and the confusing part is, is there's like all kinds of really different beliefs. You know, any, anything from like, drink this Kool-Aid when the comet comes by, and we'll die together, and that'll be good. Okay, there's those guys out there. Okay, then there's other guys of like, well, if you, if you blow yourself up for our cause, you're going to get a planet with 70 virgins on it. Okay, so there's, there's all sorts of beliefs out there. And it's really confusing, right? We got the internet then that has like a gazillion web pages, and each one of those are saying, oh, we know, we know. Okay, this, this is the bad part, of, one of the bad things about the internet is, is all these ideas are out there now and very accessible, right? You don't have to go very far, okay? There's this great tool called Google, and you could Google truth, and you'd probably get hundreds and thousands of pages of people saying, well, no, we know what truth is. Well, no, we do. And they all look different. And so where we are as, as a nation even, it, we're, we're kind of a confused nation. Okay, we're, we're kind of this confused nation where we really don't know what we want to believe. And so when you don't really know what you want to believe, the place that you land is this place called relativity, okay, which means all truth is relative. Okay, it means you get to decide what truth is by yourself. Okay, you can think, well, this person thinks this, this person thinks this, and oh, they're kind of sort of thinking the same thing, sort of, but not really, but we're just confused. And you see this, this fleshed out, okay, in, our, in our, our politics, okay? You see it fleshed out in, in our education programs, in, in, our, in our schools and stuff. And there's just, just a lot of confusion, okay? Because there's a lot of competing beliefs out there. And I think, and I'm afraid that most people in our country are landing in this no man's land that says, you know what, in the end, I can't really know what truth it really is. Actually, I don't think there can be an absolute truth. I don't, I don't think there can be. But we can look at God's word, and God's word this morning is going to speak to us. Okay, God's word is, is living and active, is, is how the Bible talks about it. And it says it cuts, cuts to our very beings. And so if, if you would, uh, we're going to spend some time looking at 1 John and discussing what, what are the implications for my life. Okay, so let's start off 1 John 5, verse 6. And we're just going to go through kind of a couple bits at a time. It says this, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. So this, this book is written, of course, by John the Apostle. Okay, John was like the best friend of Jesus. Okay, he was Jesus' best friend who was, who was there with him as, as everything unfolded that we read about in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels. And so he was, he was right there from the beginning. Okay, and, he's, and he's talking about through the book of John of how, how we find life in him, how, how we confess of how a true believer really responds to this person called Jesus. Okay, and it'll come out in love. It'll come out in, in these various ways in which you, we obey God's commands. Okay, and so he's, he's wrapping up his ideas, okay, this is towards the end of the book, and he's trying to get us convinced, trying to get the readers convinced that says, you know what, you can have confidence in all the stuff I've been telling you. Okay, you can have confidence in this. Okay, and, and you'd expect him just to kind of land in this place that's like, oh no, confidence is because I got to see it all, I was there. But notice where his confidence is going to go, in the places of the testimony. Okay, the, the first thing in there uh, that we get is, he starts off as, this is the one. Okay, now think about the word one, because the word one is a very exclusive idea. Okay, there's just one. 
Okay, there's not, there's not a many that he's talking about. There's just one. Okay, and so he is going to tell you why this one is worth having our confidence in. And so as I was reading through this, I was, I was thinking about what makes us believe things, right? Because the author is going to try to get you to believe something. What makes us believe things just in general? And I thought of a couple different things. Okay, the, the first thing that just makes us believe anything uh, is typically based on, on some kind of a testimony, right? Like kind of this witness of, of something. Okay, I saw this. You should believe this. Uh, I encountered this. You should believe this. Okay, uh, for me, um, I, I saw this working out in my life uh, a couple months back, okay? Because, I, because I've come, become a recent convert, okay? Uh, not a recent convert, convert to following Jesus. I've been following Jesus for quite a while. But I became a recent convert to Sub-Zero ice cream, Okay, and this place has changed my life. Okay, it's probably going to change my weight too. Hopefully, probably in a negative sense. But this place, this place is, is amazing, right? So, so if someone were to come up to you and say, "I found this ice cream place. It is the greatest ice cream that your taste buds will ever taste." Okay, it is like pure joy in your mouth. There's a party going on inside of it every, on every bite. Okay, so if someone was telling you that, you'd be like, "Ooh, I might want to check that place out." And you totally should. Okay, I'm not like, I don't have a stalker or share. I don't own them. Okay, they're not paying me to say this. They have no idea who I am, except for maybe the guy who is increasingly getting more chubby as he comes in and eats their ice cream. Um, but that's, that's all I am to them. But it's this idea that, that when we start to believe things, the, one of the ways in which we believe them is when someone tells us something about something else. Right? It, there, it, it's a testimony about it. Okay, so some of you who have not tried some of your Sub-Zero ice cream, you're like, I might try this place out. Okay, it's by, I think, by five guys on Milwaukee and Fairview. You gotta try it. It's amazing. So, um, but, but the way in which we believe things is, is, is comes through testimony of this idea of, like, I've been exposed to something. Yeah, I, I've been exposed to it. Okay, so that's, that's this part of it. Okay, John here in his writing is he's gonna, he's been exposing us to something. Okay, exposing us to these things. And, and he's gonna tell us why then we can have confidence in this place, or, or in this person of Jesus. Okay, the other part about it, uh, about believing something, is once we actually experience it, it, it lives up to the advertisement, right? So have you ever been like, oh man, you should try this, and then you go try it, and you're like, eh. You know, so maybe some of you with Sub-Zero Ice Cream will try it and be like, dude, this guy Dusty, he had a microphone. I had to believe him, right? So I tried it. And you're like, eh, it wasn't so good. Okay, so, so I heard about Sub-Zero Ice Cream from a friend. He's like, you gotta try this place. Okay, because it's, it's this like pure cream liquid form, and, and then you like add these add-ins like of, uh, it's basically sugar junk goodness. You, know, you add it in there, and then you shoot it with liquid nitrogen right on the spot, and it forms and makes ice cream. It's really cool. Okay, so, but, but I didn't really know if it was actually really good until I went in the store, and I bought some, and I was watching, and then I took that first bite, and I was like, ooh, this is as good as they told me about it. And so that's why I've been back like six times in the last few months, Okay. I'm, I'm, like, trying to, like, save up my money. Uh, I, I don't need to buy my 15-passenger van. I just need more ice cream. Okay? And so, and so but, but the, the, the two parts of it is, is we have this idea of witness, of testimony. Okay? This is how we believe stuff. We're exposed to some kind of thought, truth, um, experience. And then it actually delivers, and it says it is what it was supposed to be. Okay? That's, that's what this uh, uh, belief comes from. Okay, and so in this case, in this scripture, he's talking about this one. Okay, and the things that he talks about, um, there's there's two parts of, of a testimony. 
Okay, there's, there's a, a quantity of testimony, and then there's a quality of testimony, right? So, th- so to make something true, it has to have, have a, a quantity to it, right? It has to repeatedly be true over and over again. Okay, this, this is how we believe things. Okay, we're exposed to something, and it's true over and over again. Sub-zero, every time I go in there, the ice cream's amazing. Okay, so therefore, I conclude this stuff is the goods. Okay, and so with Jesus here, uh, we have John talking about him, and he says there's three things that just, that just really stuck out to him that says this we can have confidence in, and these th- three things are, are just pretty inc- incredible. Okay, so the quantity. The first thing he talks about is water. Okay, so, so, so he says, okay, here's why I know. Water, blood, and spirit. Okay, so the water he's talking about is likely there's, there's this instance that Jesus got baptized. Okay, and it, it was this powerful moment. Okay, and, the, and these things that are, are going to give a testimony to, to Jesus being legit are, are these things far outside of just someone saying, oh, yeah, I, I think this. So remember in, in uh, the Gospels of Jesus getting baptized, so, so he goes to John the Baptist, Okay, he goes to John the Baptist and says, I want you to baptize me. And, and then, so they get out in the water. Okay? Get out in the water in the Jordan River. And, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, John kind of dunks him. We're, we're not sure exactly how it went down. But, but Jesus goes under, comes back up. And there's something that's amazing that happens. Okay? We, we got to get this. Something incredible happens. So when Jesus is, is, is getting baptized, all of a sudden there's this voice from heaven. Okay, this voice, okay, this voice of God, you know, basically saying, Here, here's my son, I'm really pleased with him. Okay, you, you should listen to him. Okay, there, there's uh, two people, or two different types of people that, that uh, or experiences, like if you were to say you heard the voice of God, you'd be one of two people, okay? First one, you'd be loony, okay? You could be crazy, right? There's a lot of people, oh yeah, I heard the voice of God, and he told me I'm Michael Jackson, reincarnated, okay? Okay, I'm not, by the way. Um, so, so you could be crazy, or it, it could be real. There really was a voice of God coming down, okay? And John was like, man, I was, I was there. I was part uh, of this going down. Okay, so there's this voice of God confirming Jesus is the Son of God. Confirming something. Okay, the, the second thing. Uh, part of the, this testimony is, is talks about the blood. Okay, the blood is likely talking about the day that Jesus died. Okay, Jesus, Jesus was, was murdered. Okay, Here, here's the kind of things that happen on the day that he died. Okay, these, these are, are significant things that just go outside the, the realm of just regular things, right? So if, when I die, the day I die, you know, like probably the only thing that will happen is my wife might be a bit sad. Uh, maybe she'll be a bit happy. I don't know. That's up to her. But hopefully she'll be a bit a bit sad. Okay. But like, there's not going to be a parade. There's not going to be like it'll just I'll just be dead. Okay. Here's what happened when Jesus died. Okay. You got to get this. These are significant things. When Jesus died, it talks about when he when he was up on the cross. Okay. And it says the whole sky went black. It went dark. Okay. Middle of the day, it it goes dark. Even Nature, even the world, knew that something significant was going down that day. Okay, this, this was not just an ordinary day. This was not just an ordinary man. There was something significant where even the universe, even nature, knew that something was going down that day. And so it said the sky went dark. It says there was earthquakes and tremors. 
Okay, not only were there earthquakes and tremors going on today, where the, the little earth was shaking at the Son of God being put on the cross. It says that during some of these earthquakes, graves got pushed open and people who were dead started walking around the streets. And this is the kind of thing that was happening on this day. And then three days later, a man who was dead walks again right out of the grave. And this, these are significant things that John here is talking about, saying here's why we can know. Here's why we can see it. Here's why we can have confidence that when, when I talk about having life and overcoming and being victorious and, and conquering all these things, it's because I look at Jesus and I see that he's, he's done these things. Okay, the final thing that, that it says gives a testimony is, is the Spirit, and it says the Spirit is truth. Okay, we read in another spot in John of, of the role of what the Spirit is doing in our lives. Okay, so, so not only do we have this evidence of, of what happened in Jesus, and we, we hear this voice come from God the Father saying he's pleased, and, and earthquakes and dark skies and coming back to life stuff. Okay, we have God's Spirit who's at work right now, and it says in John, uh, uh, I think uh, chapter 15, it says, Jesus, or the Spirit's role is to convince the world of sin, righteousness, and the judgment. Okay, so God's Spirit is at work right now in the lives of people convincing us that we are in sin. Okay, that we don't do things always that are right. Okay, almost every person will easily recognize, like, man, I, I do things that are wrong sometimes. Okay, that's the Spirit of God working inside of us. Even, even to those who, who are not followers of Jesus, God is at work in their lives. Okay, convincing them of sin, that, man, I don't do all these things right. Okay, and then he also says he convinces the world of righteousness. Okay, that there is a right way. Okay, and then it says he convinces of judgment, that God's going to hold us accountable for going off of his ways. Okay, sin, righteousness, and judgment. So God's spirit is doing this. And then we, we also see uh, the testimony of Jesus that says, man, he lived perfectly what it looks like for us to follow that spirit. Okay, he, he always did it right. He did it perfectly in that. And so, so that's the kind of the quantity uh, of our testimony. There's also a quality of a testimony, right? So, so a testimony is only as good as the person who said it, right? Okay, and it's, and it's only good when it's confirmed by someone. Okay, for the, for the Jews, they had to have uh, basically a couple people uh, in, in there to confirm a testimony. Okay, we'll get to more, uh, to more of that in a little bit. Okay, so there's this, this idea that a testimony's got to have quality, right? So if, if we came across someone who was, who was stealing something, and there was two guys who saw him steal, right? Those two guys would say, okay, no, we both saw him steal. And we say, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, they're in agreement. Okay, this probably happened. Okay, this is likely to happen. And so in here it says all three are in agreement. They're all pointing to the same idea, the same idea that's supposed to convince us, to give us confidence that we can walk in the life found in Jesus. Okay, part of also understanding this idea of what we believe is, is there needs to be um, a, a consistent body of work, right? If, if I'm going to believe something, it, it's, it's just got to work, right? Um, I mentioned that earlier. And so when we, look, when we look at the life of Jesus, we see this crazy consistency of work, okay? And here's why this matters, okay? For example, if you were trying to get in shape, Okay, man, I'm going I'm to get fit this time. Okay, I'm going to get rid of the love handles. I'm going to get rid of it all. Okay? Say you would encounter a trainer 
and say this trainer is obese. You know, he's four or 500 pounds. Are you going to pick that guy to train you? Okay, I doubt it, right? Because you're going to look at his body of work. You're actually going to look at this guy's body and be like, okay, that is, something's not working for you, buddy. You need to get your act together. Like, you could take some tips from me, and I don't know anything, okay? But when we're looking at something to believe and put our trust in, we're going to put someone that says, man, they actually live what they said. They actually were able to, to do uh, the things they said they do. Okay, when we look at the life of Jesus, we look at this, this perfect picture of, of, of life. We get this perfect picture of sinlessness, right? So, so even his biggest skeptics were unable throughout the life of Jesus to actually pin a sin on him. Okay? And they had all kinds of opportunities, and they really tried hard, right? They, they'd kind of make these kind of weird uh, arrangements uh, that happen, you know, catching a lady in adultery and, and taking money and, like, trying to just catch Jesus in these spots. And even then, Jesus was able to just, with his wisdom, just, like, dupe him. Okay? And you know what they eventually landed on to kill Jesus? So here's how, here's how Jesus was murdered, is they accused him of blasphemy. Okay, blasphemy is this, this idea that Jesus was claiming to be God, okay, which he was, okay? But that was the only thing they could pin on him, okay? Because they just said, well, he just can't be. Well, why not? Well, I don't know, but he just can't be. That's, that's why Jesus was murdered. It was over blasphemy. It wasn't because he, he stole or spoke bad about someone or did something wrong. They accused him of, of, of claiming to be God, which he totally did and he totally was. And he totally proves that. So that's the, the, the quality uh, of, of Jesus' testimony, the body of his, his work. We see a person who's able to go through all of life with, without ever failing. He never failed in doing what was right. Let's move on to this next thing, this next part that says, we accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. This section, uh, John is talking about this idea that God confirmed who Jesus was. Okay, God, God confirmed it. And God's got a pretty, he should have this uh, authoritative voice speaking in, right? This is, this is, these are some of the things, like, like, like when we want someone to speak in, we want someone who's authoritative, okay? We want someone who, who actually has a voice in that, who's like an expert in the field, okay? So for, for example, um, you know, so if Steve Jobs, assuming he was still alive, uh, if Steve Jobs was alive and he endorsed some kind of tech product as saying, man, this is, this is the greatest tech pro- product ever, you'd probably be like, oh, man, Steve Jobs endorses this? Like, he's a genius. He invented all the Mac stuff and, and uh, you know, all the stuff, I mean, all kinds of Mac stuff just in this room, okay? All of you carry iPhones and all that kind of stuff. You're like, wow, man, it must really be good, okay? It must really be great. Like, if Michael, ja- Michael Jordan uh, endorsed some kind of basketball product, you'd be like, oh, well, Michael Jordan says it's good. I, I should probably listen, okay? This, this is why, like, when people uh, write books, Okay, what's, what's in the front part of the book? There's all these, basically, endorsements of how awesome the book is. Okay, who are the people who are endorsing those? Okay, I'm just going to be transparent here. No one's ever asked me to endorse a book. Okay, the reason why? I'm not very important. No one cares. Okay, no one cares about me. Okay, you, you don't know me. They don't know me either. And it's like, why would we put him, his endorsement of a book? Right, if you came across, oh, dude, Dusty Benner endorses this book, I'm going to buy five copies. 
you'd be looking like, who's this Dusty Better guy? Why didn't they get someone cool and who knows something about something, right? And so that's why we get those things, to, people to, those types of people to endorse books, right? If you want, if you're writing a tech book, you'd want, you know, uh, Gates and all those kind of tech guys to do stuff. And, um, and so what we have here is, is talking about, it says we accept human testimony, like we do. We accept human testimony. Okay, if a couple people are in agreement and they come and, and they say this is true, typically we're, we're going to believe that. Okay, but look what it says. It says, we accept that, but God's testimony is greater because it's the testimony of God. Okay, assuming that this idea that God is the authority on life as the creator. Okay, if God created us, everything we see, I'm kind of guessing he knows what would be best for us. I'm kind of guessing he knows the intention of life behind us being here. Okay, God, God is the authority on that. And even God is confirming that Jesus is who Jesus says he was. Okay, God is confirming that. Okay, so it should, it should boost our, our, our belief. It should give us confidence. It should tell us, um, tell us something. Okay, what is it that he confirms? Okay, so he says, yeah, Jesus is who he says he is. What does he actually confirm about Jesus that we need to know this morning? Okay, here's, here's what it says. Um, whoever does not believe God has made him out to be uh, a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in the son. Okay? He says, if you don't believe God, you're making him out to be a liar. Hey, the, the testimony we're to believe, assuming God is true and God knows what he wants from us, which he does, it says this, eternal life is found in the Son. Okay, the word eternal is a Greek word that means perpetual. Okay, perpetual is this idea that once something starts, it's just going to keep going forever, Right? It's perpetual, right? People look for the perpetual engine, right? That just starts and it doesn't take any more gas, okay? It's, it's this picture then that he's saying, okay, what we have in Jesus that God confirms inside of us is that we can experience life the way it was intended to be, okay? And it starts off small. So remember Jesus in his stories, he said, man, it's, it starts off like a mustard seed. It's just a little bitty thing. Okay, but over time, the mustard seed gets bigger and bigger and grows into a tree. Okay, that's, that's this idea of what he's doing. He says it's going to start inside of us, and it's going to keep going forever. Okay, so this is not something that's saying, oh, man, someday it's going to be cool, and we're just got to figure it out until then. It's saying, no, it starts now. That life is, is now, and it's going to keep going. It, it'll never stop. There's nothing that can stop it. Okay, we know this is true by, by the water, the blood, the Spirit of God, all given testimony, all seeing it in the life of Jesus that we know is true. How do we know it's going to keep going on? Well, Jesus, well, he died and he came back to life. Okay, right now, Jesus is sitting in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Okay, no one else can make that claim. No one else, no other prophet, no other guy who says he knows something about anything can say, well, where is he at right now? We say, well, you go down to the cemetery and, and we can find him. You can't make that claim about Jesus because it never happened to him. He has life. Life is just wrapped up all in him. Let's look at this last section. 
It says this, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And then he goes and says, I write these things so you might believe in the name of the Son. Let me read it again. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. He, he's kind of giving us some, these ending thoughts of where we need to kind of land somewhere. Basically, he says there's two types of people out there. Okay, there's just two. You know, we like to make all these labels and all these things. Out. He says there's just two. That's all he's giving us. He's like, there's people who have the sun and they have life and there's people who don't. Okay, there's, there's just these two. People who have the sun and have life and people who don't have the sun and says they don't have life. I'm going to read you a, 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 it's an article and it's basically a picture of, of a couple guys and, and we, all have, we all have a trajectory of our lives, right? We're all going someplace, okay? You might not know where it's at. You might not have a great idea where it's at, but we're all going somewhere we know, right? Because tomorrow I'm going to look in the mirror. I'm going to be like a day older than I am today, okay? So we're all going somewhere. Where is the trajectory of your life? I want you to be thinking of that question as I read, read this article. Okay, and the article is, a, is about a guy named Charles Templeton, Okay, and a guy named Billy Graham. Okay, probably, hopefully some of you have heard of Billy Graham, pretty significant uh, Christian guy who's told a lot of people about Jesus. Okay, on the other spectrum, there's a guy named Charles Templeton who most of you probably haven't really heard of. Okay, but their, their stories kind of intertwine, and we're going to just see a difference of their trajectory. Let's see if I can do this. It, it was easier when I, when I had a, a head mic, so hopefully I won't drop it. Charles Templeton... Uh, first professed faith, and, and he passed away in 2001, by the way, first professed faith in 1936 and became an evangelist that same year. In 1945, he met Billy Graham, and the two became friends, rooming and ministering together uh, during uh, 1946 evangelistic tour in Europe. Okay, so they're traveling Europe together telling people about Jesus. But by 1948, Templeton's life and worldview were beginning to go in a different direction than Graham's. Doubts about the Christian faith were solidifying as he planned to enter Princeton Theological Seminary. Less than a decade later, he would publicly declare that he had become an agnostic. Okay, so an agnostic is, is a person who, who doesn't, uh, doesn't um, know if you can know God. Okay, so they're not an atheist. An atheist says there is no God. An agnostic says I'm, there might be one. I just I don't think we can find out. Okay, in his 1996 memoir... Farewell to God, my reasons for rejecting the Christian faith. Templeton recounted a conversation that Graham um, in Montreal prior to entering the seminary. Okay, so they had this conversation together, okay, way back when. It says, all our difference came to a head in a discussion which, better than anything I knew, explains Billy Graham and his phenomenal success as an evangelist. In the course of our conversation, I said, but Billy, it's simply not possible any longer to believe. Uh, for instance, the biblical account of creation. The world was not created over a period of days a few thousand years ago. It has evolved over millions of years. It's not a matter of speculation. It's a demonstrable fact. I don't accept that, Billy said. And there are reputable scholars who don't. Who are these scholars, I said? Men in conservative Christian colleges? Most of them, yes, he said. But that is not the point. I believe the Genesis account of creation because it's in the Bible. I've discovered something in my ministry. When I take the Bible literally... 
When I proclaim it as the word of God, my preaching has power. When I stand on the platform and says, God says, or the Bible says, the Holy Spirit uses me. There are results. Wiser men than you or I have been arguing questions like this for centuries. I don't have the time or the intellect to examine all the sides of the theological dispute. So I've decided once for all to stop questioning and accept the Bible as God's word. But Billy, I protested, you cannot do that. You don't dare stop thinking about the most important question in life. Do it and you begin to die. It's intellectual suicide. I don't know about anybody else, Billy said, but I've decided that that's the path for me. Their trajectories had been chosen. Uh, Fifty years later, um, a guy named Lee Strobel, he, he's wrote some, uh, some pretty well-known books, The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith. Um, he had an opportunity to interview this Charles Templeton. And this is kind of how the inter- interview goes. Okay, he was in his 80s, uh, starting to suffer from Alzheimer's, but still uh, very much there, very much aware, and a good conversationalist. And so he, he starts off, or, or he gets to this point where he asks this question. And how do you assess this Jesus? It seemed like the next logical question, but I wasn't ready for the response it would evoke. Templeton's body language softened. It was as if he suddenly felt relaxed and comfortable in talking about an old and dear friend. His voice, which at times had displayed such a sharp and insistent edge, now took a melancholy and reflected tone. His guard seemingly down, he spoke in an unhurried pace, almost nostalgically, carefully choosing his words as he talked about Jesus. He was, Templeton began, the greatest human being who has ever lived. He was a moral genius. His ethical sense was unique. He was the intrinsically wisest person that I've ever encountered in my life or in my readings. His commitment was total and led to his own death, much to the detriment of the world. What could one say about him except this was a form of greatness? Remember, this is a guy who had uh, rejected Christianity. I was taken aback, Strobel says. You sound like you really care about him. Well, yes, he is the most important thing in my life, came his reply. I, 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 he stuttered, searching for the right word. I know it might sound strange, but I have to say, I adore him. Everything good I know, everything decent I know, everything pure I know, I learned from Jesus. Yes, yes, and tough. Just look at Jesus. He castigated people. He was angry. People don't think of him that way, but they don't read the Bible. He had a righteous anger. He cared for the oppressed and exploited. There's no question that he had the highest moral standard, the least duplicity, the greatest compassion of any human being in history. There have been many other wonderful uh, people, but Jesus is Jesus. Ah, but no, he said slowly. He's the most, he stopped, then started again. In my view, he declared, he's the most important human being who has ever existed. That's when Templeton uttered the words I never expected to hear from him. And if I may put it this way, he said as his voice began to crack, I miss him. With that, tears flooded his eyes. He turned his head and looked downward, raising his left hand to shield his face from me. His shoulders bobbed as he wept. 
Templeton fought to compose himself. I could tell it wasn't like him to lose control in front of a stranger. He sighed deeply and wiped away a tear. After a few more awkward moments, he waved his hand dismissively. Finally, quietly, but adamantly, he insisted, enough of that. I came across this story, and I couldn't help to think, what is the trajectory of my life going to look like? Is it going to be a life that is marked with the confidence of following Jesus, working out that, seeing what, what, what I can do, how I can uh, affect the world for him? Or, or am I going to wind up an 80-year-old man who, who gave up it all and is now sitting there weeping when asked about this person, Jesus, saying, man, I miss him. And, and really what, what you can almost see in this story is, is he's thinking, I missed it all. What is the trajectory of our life? Where are you going to go with it? I want to encourage you that we can say, we can look at God's word, we can look at the testimony of God on the person of Jesus and say, you know what, I can have a confidence. Right? There's, there's lots of doubts we have. There's lots of things we need to wrestle with. And, and, and I think God's okay with us wrestling with those things. God's okay with us asking those tough questions. But when it comes down to it, I think we need to make that decision, the decision that Billy Graham says, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe the things that he says. A, a wise person told me once that, that we need to learn to doubt our doubts. Right? The things that come, oh, I don't know if I can believe in God because of whatever it might be. Okay, why don't we doubt our doubts? Why don't we turn to God's word and say, here's, here's where the truth is found. Here's, here's what I can understand. Here's what I can see. Here's this body of evidence in the person of Jesus. And I think that's what Temple and the Sand at the end is like, man, I saw Jesus, and I see everything that life is supposed to be. Got hung up on a few of those little details of stuff. But this morning, where's your trajectory? What's it going to look like the next 10, 20, 30 years? one thing I can tell you that I'm just convinced of is I am convinced of Jesus. I don't know if I know very many other things. I can't say I'm super smart, super good looking, super cool, but I can tell you I have confidence in this person named Jesus. And if you entrust your life to him, if you give him uh, the say in your life where he becomes the master of your life, where you become his disciple, where you become his follower, I'm just telling you what, it's going to change your life forever. It's going to make you walk in this way, in this newness of life, where we can have a hope, we can have a future, but we can even have a present. Jesus said, my kingdom is right here at hand. It's, it's so close you could touch it. What do we got to do to access that? We got we to repent. We got to change our way, mind about things. And we got to embrace this Jesus. So where's your trajectory taking you this morning? Let's pray. And Father, we just thank you today that, that you have made things just abundantly clear that life is found in your son, Jesus. And God, I just pray, uh, even right now, that the spirit of God that is in this place, that is in our lives. God is just speaking to our hearts right now. God, that we will believe and have confidence in you. Lord, we have a lot of decisions to make this week. We have a lot of decisions that can uh, really change our trajectory. 
uh, where we're going to go in life. And God, I just pray that we consider your words, that we consider uh, what, what is said about Jesus. And uh, Jesus, I just thank you for changing my life. I thank you that I can just uh, confidently say the best thing, the best decision I've ever made in my life was to follow you. And, I, and I'm just in awe of you again today, reminded about your greatness and reminded about uh, just how amazing you are. God, I just pray we respond as we sing these songs uh, with gratitude. I pray we respond with awe. Lord, I, I pray some might respond with dropping to their knees and, and confessing sins. Lord, I just pray we respond uh, by, by just seeking you this day. And we just are very grateful. And I ask these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.